Welcome to Business Buzz with your host, Frank Hellring. Do you own a small business or does that small business own you? Are you seeking increased sales, more loyal customers, lower operation costs, and brand loyalty? If you're interested in elevating your brand and expanding your reach, then Business Buzz will put it all together for you with expert guests, resources that make sense, and your opportunity to be heard. Get ready to call in with your questions and comments at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Business Buzz is out to put the buzz back into your business. Here's your host, Frank Hellring. Hey, welcome. Wherever you may be, you have found Business Buzz. I'm your host, Frank Hellring, and we're coming to you live, prime time on the Voice America Business Network channel. And Business Buzz is brought to you today by On Fire Processing, where there is no burn, just earn. Hey, if you're a small business out there today, you have a danger factor. Yep. Repeat, you have a danger factor possibly of your merchant processor calling you up and telling you that your merchant processing account just got shut down. Yep, it's happening every time you turn around right now because if you haven't had your merchant processing products audited by your merchant processor, you could be at risk. So you need to pick up the phone right now and dial 833-866-3473. That's 833-866-3473 and get in touch with On Fire Processing today and make sure you got it right. To contact Business Buzz, you can call us toll free at 877-3-NOWBUZ or email us at info at businessbuzz.com. That's B-I-Z-Z-N-E-S-S-B-U-Z-Z.com. Or if you want to get in touch with me personally, Go to the show host website, which is businessbuzz, B-I-Z-Z-N-E-S-S-B-U-Z-Z.com. Leave me a contact information. You want to be a guest on the show or just simply get something off your chest, that's the place to go. Well, shout out to our charity, our philanthropic organization up there in the wonderful city of Spokane. Chaplain Joseph Havens heads up an organization called Cookies to Cops. That's exactly how it's spelled. Cookies, T-O-C-O-P-S.com. And he's been handing out dozens and dozens of cookies in the Spokane area, in Portland, in Seattle. Every time you turn around, he's putting cookies in the hands of your first responders, men and women in blue, who defend your businesses. And right now, we're moving towards doing Adopt-A-Cop. That's it. Adopt-A-Cop, where you, as a small business owner, can adopt a small business today in your hometown. So let's put it together and get with Cookies to Cops today. Hey, shout out to my listening audience. You took us back. Yep, you took us back into the top one percentile of all live talk show hosts in the IP protocol radio world. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and let's keep moving it forward. Hey, I'm joined today by my co-host, politically centric, Natasha Friedman. She is an incredible, credible political analyst and commentator. She's got a show back in Baltimore, Maryland called Maryland Politics on Baltimore TV free radio. Hey, you doing Natasha? Hey, welcome back to Business Buzz. Thanks so much for having me, Frank. It is a pleasure. So great to have you, Natasha. You know, if you take a look at the show description today, we're talking about immigration. Hey, is that a hot subject right now, Natasha? It is a huge subject, especially in the DMV area. As you know, we have open borders going on right now, which is really hurting our nation. And there's a big difference, as as we know, between the Trump administration and now this new Biden administration. And it's just really, really bad. And we need to get this border crisis under control. Well, I've got a guest on with us today, Natasha. I'll tell you something, who is a product, a product of immigration 
immigration. His grandparents came over on the boat, and I'm going to stop it right there because I don't want to take away the story. Craig Kashishian enjoys an international reputation as a chief executive, a paradigm busting strategist, a critical thinker, a technologist who's created significant value for shareholders and partners alike. Mr. Kashishian was educated at the College of University of Chicago, Cornell University's College of Arts and Sciences, Princeton University's Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs, where he was one of the top 10 designated Wilson scholars. At the Yale Law School, Mr. Kashishian was awarded his Juris Doctorate and served as an editor of the Law and Policy Review and was activist in the Federalist Society. Mr. Kashishian has dispensed and continues to dispense political and campaign advice to prime ministers, U.S. senators, governors, and congressmen on a discretionary basis. Mr. Kashishian's career was also included stints as a member of President Reagan's polling and strategy team from 1981 to 1982, allowing him to analyze White House polling data and author presentations to the president and memoranda to senior White House and Republican National Committee officials. In 1983, Mr. Kashishian was invited to join President Reagan's vaunted speechwriting team as a junior staff member on a private fellowship in a series of pre-election speeches to the Business Forums International in Newport Beach. Mr. Kashishian correctly predicted the electoral and popular vote outcome for President-elect Trump, including the prediction of a victory in PA and the North Carolina area. Mr. Kashishian, welcome to Business Buzz. We're so glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Frank. Glad to be here. Craig, you are incredible story. Uh, your grandparents came on the boat. They ended up in Ellis Island. Please elaborate on that for us, and let's push it forward. Well, Grandma and Grandpa were products of the genocide in Turkey and made their way to the United States as uh, immigrants without a penny in their pockets. Landed at Ellis Island uh, in 1918, 1919, without a thing. Then they came uh, to New York City, and they worked their tails off during night and day. Uh, as seamstresses and uh, carpet repair people. And, and, and then they pooled their resources and started building small uh, apartment buildings on their own without any corporate uh, help, without any bank loans, without any family funds. They just uh, saved their nickels and dimes uh, that they earned during the day and spent it at night so, um, and worked, uh, and worked uh, diligently during the day. So that was the foundation of true entrepreneurship on their part. I'm very honored by that. You know, Craig, you sent me a photo of your granddad standing out in front of one of his buildings and there was absolutely nothing around it, which was amazing to me. It almost looked like a World War II bombed out city, you know, but you told me that was the beginning of Queens. So, I mean, you're talking that your grandparents were really at the beginning uh, aspects of the formation of New York City. That's true. In 1920, they, they started to uh, build these little buildings just around uh, uh, that time when Astoria, Queens, Woodside, Queens was just beginning to burgeon as a, as a exurb to New York, as a suburb to New York City. And, and that's the only place they could afford to live. No one could afford to live in Manhattan. So they had to go out to the boroughs to, to carve out a living and, and carve out a way of life. And that's where they did that. So uh, very blessed for their hard work. You know, Craig, you and I met over a cup of coffee in San Clemente a few weeks back, you know, and I love to meet people in the business arena that way because then we get to know each other, right? And right. the most important thing is like each other, and that's the reason why you're on the show today. And let me tell you something, Craig, 
small business right now is really having some challenges. You are in the small business network of companies out there. I noticed that you own about three companies or have in the past. What do you, you know, uh, estimate uh, is the future for small business in America? Well, uh, that's all contingent upon how the Biden administration treats uh, people with their inheritance and tax code propositions and their budget busting infrastructure bills, because I'm beginning to fear that the small businessman and the small businesswoman of the United States are going to be, uh, have, they're going to have targets on their back. They're going to have bullseyes on their back as they try to muscle their way through this horrible pandemic. Uh, access to capital is the lifeblood of business, as you know. Uh, and if capital costs go up, thanks to surging interest rates, uh, if taxes go up, thanks to increased uh, demands on, on your dollars to fund or underwrite uh, big infrastructure projects and green new deals. Um, and if regulations are imposed uh, that are more stringent than they are today, what does that do to a small business person? It crushes them. It takes the will out of their ability to, to move forward in tough times. And you know, when you're faced with that kind of dilemma, it, the motive to continue doing your hard work just lessens. That's the big impediment, I think, facing small business people today. You know, Craig, I know that you're well familiar with an organization out of Nashville called National Federation of Independent Businesses. It's really and has been turned to be in the past the Republican business think tank. They did yes, a report in 2015, pulling it forward from 2008. We all know who what occupied the White House during that neck of the woods, right? And they pulled it forward to 2015 and they found out that 14.2% of all brick and mortar small businesses have been vaporized wiped off the face of the earth in the United States of America. Where do you think we stand right now in 2021? I think that number is probably going to double up um, if all of those aforementioned issues come to the fore. Increased taxes, increased regulation, higher interest rates are the three big killers, the three big killer bees, uh, no pun intended, uh, to small business. It's going to destroy or hamper growth. Uh, and certainly, by the way, the fourth the fourth prong, which the Republicans were successful in, in denying the Democrats, was the $15 minimum wage. Can you imagine if that was imposed nationally on all small businesses? That was, that's the difference between life and business death. You know that, and I know that. So fortunately, um, that's been spared, but we still have three big impending thunderbolts coming our way. And I'm hoping, God, God willing, uh, politicians wake up and realize that small business really is the spinal column of the American economy. And Biden's doing his damnness to, to destroy it. I mean, it's really, I don't see any incentives for small business. And then when you give uh, big box enterprises uh, all kinds of latitude and maneuvering room, it's just going to kill even more small mom and pop shops that compete with them. Small mom and pop groceries, pharmacies, you name it. So think about that too. You know, that, that's another flip side that you know, we're just going to be enveloped. Small businesses that are in traditional lines of retail are going to be enveloped by the big box world. And um, that is frightening in its own right. Your little Main Street grocery store or pharmacy, that's in jeopardy because of that as well. You know, Craig, uh, I don't want to steal Natasha's thunder, but I did have Brian Noam, Christy Noam, who is the governor of the state of South Dakota's husband on my show last week. And right. he uh, brought up a very interesting point. And we talked about, you know, who owns, you know, private farmland in the United States. And the number was 1.36%. 1.36% of all farmland in America is owned by private enterprise. 
Everything else is owned by the corporations. And then he went on to tell me that the state of South Dakota is absolutely 100% dependent on agribusiness, you know, for its survival. How do you see that shaping up with what's going on in Washington? I find that very frightening. Um, it, it just spells more credence to my theory that small businessmen and women, small farmers, family farmers are going to be under tremendous pressure to survive, especially if corporate farming is the norm now in the Midwest and the Southwest. And in the, I know. So my family's a, a family of farmers too from San Joaquin Valley. It's all corporate farming up in there in the San Joaquin uh, basin. So the small family farm is at risk for more downward pressure, if not extinction, because of that issue. I mean, more regulation, more taxation, especially if Biden's inheritance tax issues go through with the elimination of the step-up basis. You inherit your family's uh, avocado farm in California you're, that your great-grandfather founded. You're going to have to sell it to pay the tax bill. So where does that leave you? Guess who's going to buy it? A corporate entity. So uh, that just leads to uh, the destruction of a great tradition in America, the family, the small family farm. It's very yeah. sad. Natasha always gets on my fanny, you know, she says, Frank, you concentrate too on too much on California. You know, you need to get a little bit more broad based, <laughs> you know, talking about the whole country, the whole well, world. Same thing. The same model applies to uh, Maryland. I mean, I, you remember driving through Antietam, through Baltimore. I'll give, I'll give Natasha a nod. I remember seeing small family corn farms, corn rows, soybean farms out there. And it was patriotic and, and, and heart wrenching to see these beautiful little farms run by generational families uh, as you drive through the beautiful countryside of Maryland. And now, I think that's all at risk as well. I, I, uh, the same model applies to those farms too. So it's all in the hands of the politicians in DC. How much pressure do they want to put on small business? You know, Craig, the death knell to any small business today is a capital R word called regulatory. You agree with me? I agree. Okay. In September 17th of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, Newsom signed into law Senate Bill 1383, which expanded the family rights on the CFRA, which was a takeoff on the federal legislation, now rolling back eligibility on small businesses, paying out these benefits on family leave to five employees, five employees, including siblings, even your grandparents. Can you mm -hmm. imagine that? Well, I, I do, because I live here in California. <laughs> Nothing is off the table with some of our uh, very, uh, I must say, uh, displaced friends up in Sacramento. They don't understand small business because they've never been in business for the most part. Most of them are career politicians that have no idea what it takes to start up a small printing shop, a mailbox outlet. Let me tell you this. I used to own, I used to own strip shopping malls, and my tenants were small business people from Chinese restaurants to tattoo parlors to comic book stores, graphic book stores. Uh, uh, postal agencies, and I've seen how they operate. It's a husband and wife duo for the most part. They bring in a son or a daughter to help them on weekends, or they bring in a parent to help them. And that's their livelihood. That is their lifeblood. And if they have to deal with more, for example, the ADA regulations, I, I went through all that too with the lawsuits for missing doorknobs or a lapse that was misplaced. These things cost small businesses Twenty, thirty thousand dollars a hit. That takes out their bottom line. If they have to bring on employees at fifteen dollars an hour, or give them family leave for extended periods of time, that just destroys again their bottom line. How can they survive like that? Let me 
put more and more rocks on the back. It's just very sad to watch. If you drive down major driveways, drive thoroughfares in Los Angeles, like Ventura Boulevard, you could shoot a cannonball down these streets. These businesses have been boarded up, they're closed. Um, you may have heard the tales of, of the woman who owns that bar and grill in Los Angeles. She was on Fox many a night about how her restaurant got shut down, but the movie catering company on the adjacent lot was able to serve food and drink because uh, the, the movie industry got a cutout in California. The restaurants were forced to close down. So what does that tell you? Um, there are winners and losers under democratic regimes. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more, Craig. You know, the reason why this show was started back in August and I was picked to be co-host is because advocacy is a big issue in small business and small business for a lot intents and purposes has lost its voice in America. And it's sad. Also with the NFIB being paired back from 660,000 members now down to 300,000, they've lost their voice and influence on the Hill. So really who is taking the message, you know, to Washington? One of the missions of this particular show, Craig, is to do exactly that, to grab a cross section of small business and fly it to DC, get it in front of Congress, get it in front of the Senate subfinance committees and give these guys the real story of what the heck's going on out here. You're a man of influence. You've got a tremendous amount of connections, not just in the small business community, but the political sphere. Can you get behind that type of a mission with me? Absolutely. I'll sign on anytime, anywhere with you on that because my family was a small business family. My dad used to sell carpets out of a small shop and he built, he put two kids through college on that. If he had to deal with that business today, he'd be shut down uh, and overregulated by the current administration. And I, I have to tell you something. Um, I have friends across the board in small business who are dying on the vine, not just because of regulation, but because of higher interest rates, higher labor costs, uh, all kinds of collateral issues, higher fuel costs coming up now through the ranks. Um, all of these put downward pressure on small enterprise. You know that. I love and it. I love it. Is coming. I hate to say, but we got to take a quick break here. I got to have my advertisers pay for showtime. You're listening to Business Buzz with Frank Helling, live on the Voice America Business Network to you. Bought to you by now, millionairemindset.life forward slash debt to wealth. You need to go to voiceamerica.com. You need to check out voiceamerica.com. Hit that rectangular box with B-I-Z-C. That's going to take you right to my show host webpage, and you need to get with my debt to wealth advertiser who can take you out of debt all the way from your mortgage down to your student loan debt. Hey, we're mixing it up with Craig Kashishian and Natasha Friedman. We're going to be right back in two and two with more buzz for your business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you tired of being overcharged by your credit card processing company? Not sure what you're even being charged for? Well, at On Fire Processing, we are here to serve you and help you possibly save money and increase your business revenue, keeping you in the black. We are your one-stop shop for merchant services worldwide. Our motto is no burn, just earn. Please call us at 833, the letter U, On Fire. That's 833-866-3473. We're always looking for guests, resources, and business promotion. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Do you have a resource that can help small businesses increase sales, lower costs, and amplify brand loyalty? Do you have a business that needs to elevate your brand and expand your reach? If any of these sound like a fit for you, you need to partner with us. Call us at 877-3-NOW-BUZZ. That's 877-366-9289. 
and discover how Business Buzz and Business Watch can take your message and company further. Again, give us a call at 877-3-NOW-BUZZ, 877-366-9289. Business Watch is your outreach to feel the pulse and increase the buzz in your business community. Invite Frank to be a speaker at your next event. We can create a live promotional video with you at your next event to brand your brand. Visit businessbuzz.com. Having Frank come speak at your event can motivate your team and your customers, which means he can also motivate the growth of your business. It's time to take it to the next level. Visit businessbuzz.com and watch things grow. You're listening to Business Buzz with your host, Frank Hellring. To reach the live show, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send Frank an email at info at businessbuzz.com. That's info at B-I-Z-Z-N-E-S-S buzz.com. Now, back to Business Buzz. Hey, we're back. I'm your host, Frank Kellering, on Business Buzz Live, coming to you on Voice America Business Network. I've got my guest, Craig Kahishian, and my co-host, Natasha Friedman. We've been mixing it up the first half of this show, talking about an incredible, credible grandparents of Craig's that came over on the boat, went through Ellis Island, worked their fingers to the bone, made a life for themselves when New York wasn't even really New York. And now Craig is the product of that incredible family legacy. He's involved in politics. He's involved in the business community. But I've got my politically centric co-host, Natasha Friedman, that wants to go and talk to Craig about that political side of the equation. Hey, Natasha, the floor is yours. Hey, thanks, Frank. So as you mentioned in the first half, Craig, you were a pollster for Ronald Reagan, and you do a lot of data analysis. And one of the biggest things that you do is you work with the election side of it. And we have had multiple different pollsters that have been analyzing from 2016 to 2018 to 2020, even now, about the 2020 presidential election. So as a pollster and data analyst, can you explain to the American people what you saw in your research in regards to the 2020 presidential election? Thank you for having me on, Natasha. I will tell you this. Uh, my, my mentor in the polling world was Reagan's immediate pollster. He's a retired gentleman now. And a few weeks before the election, he gave me some sage advice. He said, Trump will win on election night. He will have the lead on election night. But Craig, on day number two and on day number three, that lead will slip away. And I will say his name. It's Dr. Gary Lawrence, uh, the most brilliant pollster I know. And he trained me. And I, I actually didn't believe that. I actually thought Trump would win on election night. And I called it on election night. For the president, we were all together, Matt, you know, uh, Matt Towery and Robert Haley and I all looked at the numbers. And, and frankly, we, we thought that the president was going to win Pennsylvania uh, on election night and that he would probably muscle out Georgia on election night and most likely muscle out uh, Michigan on election night. Well, to my surprise, I'm monitoring the data at one o'clock in the morning, California time, three o'clock in the morning, uh, four o'clock in the morning, East Coast time. And I'm watching the live feed come in from the state 
uh, recorder, and I saw literally a dump of 25,000 votes for Biden without one offsetting vote, not one vote for Trump. And that raised such deep suspicions with me that I wrote an article about this. That's a true slate of hand exercise that cannot, that defies all statistical examples you can dream up. In fact, you're more likely to find a unicorn in your garage than seeing a, a 22,000 versus zero offset in a voting tally like that. The odds were in defiance of normal statistical behavior. So I don't know what went wrong, but something very bad happened in those states. Uh, no. that Go ahead, finish your point. I'm sorry. Um, I, don't, I, 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 I don't know what went wrong because I wasn't there. I didn't have access to the tally. But you don't see anomalies like that that were uniform across the board in certain key states with huge turnouts that were like 80 or 90 percent in the city of Milwaukee. 90 percent. I mean, that he almost exceeded the Marxist level turnouts that you see in, in Soviet elections in the 50s and 60s. Something was amiss. And I don't think it was genuine voter turnout uh, with, uh, that was premised on enthusiasm. I think there was enthusiasm on both sides of the equation. No doubt, the Democrats were enthused to vote against Trump. Republicans were enthused to vote for Trump. But those levels of participation were unusually high. And secondly, um, the, 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 the shift, the, the paradigm shift in the middle of the night of significant numbers of votes for Biden without one offsetting vote for Trump, I must tell you to this day, is highly suspicious to me. Now, I have a question. Are you in coordination with Mike Lindell and his efforts to expose Dominion and Smartmatic? No, not at all. And I'm, why? I, really, I call them as I see him. I'm a pollster and an analyst. Uh, I, I don't do any investigative uh, journalism. I'm not involved on the, investig uh, the investigation side of that equation. All I did was see the numbers, predict, create a model. And according to my model, which I think is still valid, uh, Trump should have won Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan by, albeit a slender margin. I told the powers that be that uh, he will not win a landslide by any means. If he won that election, it would have been like by 279, 283, a very slender figure, but a winning margin nonetheless. Because Biden did have the support, the widespread support of the Democratic machine, the media, and of course, big tech behind them. And I, we, we imputed all that, but not to the degree that we, we, that we have seen. So, um, Were you able to watch Mike Lindell's latest video on rumble.com with the engineer expressing in about an hour about the algorithms and how it switched at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, how Trump was, or President Trump was progressing up, 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 and then all of a sudden all these votes started pushing in uh, with a flip of a button uh, with Dominion and Smartmatic. That's something that has been buzzing around um, in the media world uh, with Mike Lindell. No, I, I, I have not seen these reports. All I, all I can say with a fact is that I did witness uh, over, over public medium, namely the internet, when, I, when you plug into the Secretary of State's office to track the vote, the tallies, these extraordinary numbers uh, of, of, of Biden votes that were flowing in without any offsetting Trump votes or very little offset of Trump votes. Just, it seemed to be to me 
big batches of Biden votes delivered or recorded in the middle of the night. Now, that was my impression. And I was, my jaw dropped. And I, I frankly wrote an article that was nationally syndicated uh, about that, uh, that experience. So it's anecdotal on my side, but it seemed to be totally out of kilter. But can I ask you objectively as an outsider, um, you know, Mike Lindell says if we put all this analysis together, you know, he's working on with different engineers and his prediction is that President Trump will be in the White House in August. Do you believe his prediction? Uh, no, no, I, I, I think it's pretty disruptive. The, the election has been mooted. Uh, Biden is the certified winner. I think it would be uh, these are the sort of lumps you just have to take and, and, and look toward 2024 as a, as a time of redemption. And it puts the onus on states to clean up their acts because they let COVID uh, and effectively they let, they let activists control their, 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 their guidelines uh, to the extent where it's actually damaged the freedom and the clarity of the vote. What happened in Georgia, for example, uh, uh, was totally insane. Uh, you don't create a voting month. You don't create open drive-in voting. Voting is a, is a gift from the founding fathers. It's a precious right. And you don't let that just slip into the ethernet like that. What's next? Internet voting? Uh, letting animals vote? Uh, it's, you have to have some semblance of control. And asking for signatures to match on an absentee ballot like the New York rule uh, is a fair rule. New York is governed by Democrats. It's tougher to vote absentee in New York than it is in Georgia. And, uh, and as long as states have more uniform voting guidelines and not fall prey to these activists that use COVID as a cover to open up voting into a carnival, that's what it was, really a carnival, um, we're gonna have problems like this again. So I'm, I hand it to the states for taking executive action and legislative action to clean up their act. They need and to as do. you know, Governor Brian Kemp is getting a little, you know, crap right now because he said we need voter ID, um, you know, in his state. And of course, everyone was in an uproar about it. They decided Absolutely. to move the all-star game from Atlanta, Georgia, now to Denver, Colorado. But then in the end, you know, Brad Rappersberger and Brian Kemp kind of caved a little bit to the left as we knew they were going to. Uh, what do you think? What is your analysis about that? We have it right on the head. They did cave to the left. They made they made uh, this, this this consent degree uh, consent degree uh, decree deal with Stacey Abrams to open up basically to turn elections into carnivals, open street festivals where people can just pick up ballots and deliver them and 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 uh, and have caravans uh, and and open up the process to the point where there was no sense of regulation or governance at all, and this is what happens. Uh, when that takes place, you see all kinds of mischief go on or all kinds of chicanery. Uh, uh, and, and that's not to be tolerated. The voting franchise is much too valuable for that. Uh, I get the fact that some people um, want to just drop off the vote and, and stick it in a box. That's all fine. Uh, but if you're going to vote absentee, you have a duty to at least show an ID. You need to show an ID to get into an airport. You need to show an ID to get into a pick up your baseball tickets at will call should show an ID to cast your ballot. People bled for that. Right. And you should protect that franchise. It's our duty to do so. Now There's going no to the data, 
sorry, going to the data side of you, as you know, Governor Newsom is being recalled in the state of California. That is a a cry that, that the people in California are saying, we've had enough of our governor. He, he's shut down our, our state. He shut down small businesses, as, as we know in the first half, we were talking about small businesses. Right. Do you think that, the, that this is kind of a revolt for the people in California? Do you think that, this, that maybe with this recall, they will vote in a Republican as governor? I know the buzz is they want Rick Grinnell to run as governor. As we know, Rick Grinnell was the former ambassador to Germany. He also was the former acting director of the DNI. He's a gay for Trump. Um, big, you know, and, and he also helped with election integrity um, in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, and in Arizona as well. I mean, do you think that that's a cry? Do you think that the people of California, based on maybe your data, that they would switch to maybe having another Republican as governor like they did with Arnold, you know, putting Arnold Schwarzenegger in there? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, and you bring up a very salient point. Remember, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a worldwide, is a worldwide uh, celebrity. And he had Incredible. And he was married to Maria Shriver, by the way. Kennedy. That's true. He, he was. <laughs> but um, the folks running now, for the most part, are not well known. They're nice guys. Uh, I know one of them. He's a very successful man, a very good man. I, I just hope his name recognition is, is broad enough. I don't know if Gavin Newsom will uh, be able to uh, survive the, the recall or not. I have a very funny feeling he will. Um, Yes, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a rough ride for those. I mean, two million people signed up for that petition. Um, and that's, God bless them for doing that. But uh, this is a very blue state. It's made some nice retrenchment toward the center again on certain issues. So there's a, I'd say the chances of Gavin recall being recalled um, are about 50-50. Um, the chance of Gavin recalled, if if Gavin Newsom is recalled, he could easily run again and, and, and probably win uh, the recall election like Scott Walker did in Wisconsin. So I think that's the most likely scenario, unless you see some extraordinary event take place. I understand that uh, Bruce Je uh, Caitlyn Jenner might be running. So, uh, I mean, go figure. She's, she's a Republican. Um, yeah. uh, Rick Grinnell is, is, is a Republican. They may play very well up in the Bay Area. I mean, there's some very interesting anomalies. Oh. There's another interesting point. There are a couple of things that you need to know about California politics. The Latino population here is more conservative than, than folks let on. They, um, and 35% voted for Trump this last cycle. So a good business-minded Republican that's well-known uh, can make a resurgence here, can make a really credible claim to run as governor and maybe win. But... Recalls are uphill climbs, Natasha, and that's- Yeah, Craig, yeah, Craig, we only have about four minutes. I wanted to bring up the estate tax law, and we talked about that even before we got on. Can you talk to the American people about that, about the estate tax law and what's going on right now? Of course, Biden's so-called, I'm not gonna tax you if you make less than $400,000, is the biggest ruse since I've got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Um, the estate tax issues that they plan to, to propose a nominee will hit everybody and anybody, uh, including those who make no money at all that stand to inherit their family home. Um, and that's a tax. And that's going to be a huge tax. So if you're, a, if you're a young guy and your parents pass on the family farm, they, they die and they pass on the family farm, and you're making $25,000 a year working in that family farm, well, you're going to have to pay an estate tax that's 
that has no step-up basis, which means you'll pay full throttle tax rates on that said family farm or said insurance agency or dry cleaner or restaurant, which means that if the federal tax bill um, at a, without a stepped-up basis, along with a state tax bill, um, could probably force you to sell said business, which I think is going to be destructive across the board, destructive across the nation. Beware the estate tax changes Biden has in mind for you. Time out, Craig. I got to jump in here because I used to be in the insurance game. I used to do estate tax planning. Are you telling me they're going to roll it back from the present $5 million? To $1 million. What? There might, oh, be a one, there might be a one million exemption on family homes, uh, on family property. They're, they really want to roll that back too. On top of that, that is so, going to absolutely decimate the small business community. I, for one, right? I mean, I live in a house here in, in beautiful Southern California, over a million dollars, you know. And right. and I mean, everything else comes under a state tax law. It doesn't matter what you got; they're going to tax it. Okay. Right. Uh, oh, oh my goodness, this is this is very very scary. Listen, we're going to take a quick break here. I hate to cut you off, but we can pick it up in the second half, Greg. Uh, I'll, let's let's keep expanding on that, okay? Uh, because uh, state tax laws is is a huge issue. We're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to Business Buzz with Frank Hellring live on Voice America Business Network. Brought to you now by Business Group Resources. Do you realize that you could be tipping the IRS? You heard it tipping the IRS. There's a little known tax credit out there called R&D, and you need to find out about it right now if you're a small business by picking up the phone and calling Business Group Resources at 877-857-6875. That's 877-857-6875. And you need to find out whether or not you've got some tax money coming back to you. Hey, we have been mixing it up with Craig and Natasha. We're talking about politics. We're talking about small business. We're going to be right back with you in two and two with more buzz for your business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you tired of being overcharged by your credit card processing company? Not sure what you're even being charged for? Well, at On Fire Processing, we are here to serve you and help you possibly save money and increase your business revenue, keeping you in the black. We are your one-stop shop for merchant services worldwide. Our motto is no burn, just earn. Please call us at 833, the letter U, On Fire. That's 833-866-3473. We're always looking for guests, resources, and business promotion. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Do you have a resource that can help small businesses increase sales, lower costs, and amplify brand loyalty? Do you have a business that needs to elevate your brand and expand your reach? If any of these sound like a fit for you, you need to partner with us. Call us at 877-3-NOW-BUZZ. That's 877-366-9289. And discover how Business Buzz and Business Watch can take your message and company further. Again, give us a call at 877-3-NOW-BUZZ. 877-366-9289. Business Watch is your outreach to feel the pulse and increase the buzz in your business community. Invite Frank to be a speaker at your next event. We can create a live promotional video with you at your next event to brand your brand. Visit businessbuzz.com. 
Having Frank come speak at your event can motivate your team and your customers, which means he can also motivate the growth of your business. It's time to take it to the next level. Visit businessbuzz.com and watch things grow. PPP, COVID-19, SBA, is there a way? It's time for Business Watch, where your voice matters. Call into the show at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or drop us an email at info at businessbuzz.com. That's info at B-I-Z-Z-N-E-S-S, buzz.com. We know you've got something to say. Now, here's Frank Hellring, Business Watch, where your voice matters. Hey, welcome to Business Watch, where your voice matters. I'm your host, Frank Kellering, coming to you live on the Voice America Business Network. This is a segment of the show where we open up the phone lines in Phoenix, and you have the opportunity to call in live to the show. So pick up that phone right now and call 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790, and you can mix it up with Frank and my incredible guest this morning and my co-host, Natasha. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, Craig and Natasha... This is a section of the show where we all kind of go inside of a conference room, if you will, and sit around the table and basically mix it up about what we discussed in the first half of the show. And I've got three watchwords called meet, collaborate, and grow. Meet is basically, I like you. I'm doing business with you. We got past that. Collaborate. Craig, we already talked about you could get behind helping us to take a consortium back to Washington and talk about small business to those D.C. wonderful folks back there who are fenced in. And then, of course, Natasha, you are all about helping me to grow this show, and that's the reason why you're on this show. <laughs> but let me tell you guys something. You know, I'll tell you what. Small business and politics, they go hand in hand, don't they? That's true. I mean, everything is political nowadays, but the problem is because of the politics that's in Washington, it is killing small businesses. And Trump won based on small business and the backbone of our nation. So when Biden comes in, he wants to hurt anything that Trump did, anything that a Republican did previously. And it's really sad. And they're saying, we're going to kill the Keystone Pipeline. We're going to kill 70,000 jobs. But we want you to come work for this Green New Deal, which goes completely against what they originally worked for. So you're working on the Keystone Pipeline, you're making $150,000 a year, then you go work in the Green New Deal and you're making $60,000 a year or less. It's a real problem, especially for people with big families as well. You bet. Craig, you've had some friends, right, in that restaurant community, which I've had this show focused on quite a bit in my past show regimen. Uh, let me ask you a question. What What's your experience out there with some of the restaurant owners? Well, I owned restaurants uh, in, in my real estate properties and Two of them went out of business because of COVID. Uh, one of them is on the, on, the, on the bubble right now. And a dear friend just had to shut down her operation in Sherman Oaks because of COVID as well. She had to sell out her lease uh, because she couldn't open up uh, at all. Uh, Governor Newsom's and uh, Mayor Garcetti's regulations were so strict that she didn't have the cash reserves uh, to sustain herself. So she sold out. She's retired now. Let me, let me tell you something, Craig. You know, I've always wanted to put a show together with actual restaurant owners. We haven't done that yet. Uh, let me ask a question. you think you could put three or four of those together for me? Um, at some point, yes. You know, I think it's important to hear from, you know, people who uh, basically are living a day in and day out. You know, I mean, restaurants are part of the community. You know, if you take a look at the community, you might as well put the flag waving up beside it, Right. Restaurants are the community. That's correct. 
especially in small, especially in small. Yes. Go ahead, Craig. I didn't. I, go ahead. We had a small, small towns, small cities, uh, and big cities too. Restaurants are part of the social fabric. They are meeting places. They are uh, they are uh, extraordinary venues for relaxation and opportunity to to actually make your first job uh, to make your living. Uh, and also, uh, they're great entry points for young people to get um, a job in life, to get that first start, to see how business operates, to learn discipline and, and, and a work ethic. Restaurants are a passport to great things in life. And if that gets shut down or stunted, it just stops a channel of talent from ever growing to uh, the level it can be. Think about how many people you know that you and I know got their start flipping burgers at McDonald's or in and out Think about that. Then they went on to college and, and developed their own, their own lives. But that first job usually was at a restaurant, busing tables. My first job in life was a bartender, a bar back to my uncle's restaurant in New York City. So that's how I learned how a business operates. Craig, you're talking to one. I was a grill man at McDonald's <laughs> in high school. You know, I flipped burgers. Yeah, you, you're, you're talking. Need I, need I say more? I mean, yeah, you're preaching to the choir, you know. But, you know, yep. the, the thing about it is, is that we're looking at this restaurant community, you know, kind of in a sense through jaded glasses, because we're saying to ourselves, are they going to come back? More importantly, when they do come back, are they going to be profitable, right? That's right. Um, uh, the problem is, is that, Restaurants, as you know well, are faced with extraordinary external pressures. It's just not wages. It's inflation. The cost of food is going up. The cost of beef is going up. The cost of pork is going up. The cost of chicken is going up. Uh, and then when you impose additional wages uh, regulations on these folks and higher increased federal wage requirements, uh, how, how do you make that model work? I, I, don't, I envy my friends who are able to survive in that business. I don't see how I could. I mean, I, I, I just can't pull that off uh, with all those external pressures. Craig, a, just the work cop law changes in the state of California where now COVID-19 is not only a reportable incident, but also it's a payable incident, right? Under California work cop law. Governor Newsom just passed that through with the Senate bill. Most small businesses don't even know that happened out there. Okay. But oh. you know, here's the, here's the other side of the coin. I was born in D.C., as I told you, when we first talked to each other, you right. know, and my dad used to take me to the flagship restaurant, right? Flagship restaurant right there on the beautiful Potomac right? River. And congressmen and senators used to go there. I remember my dad used to get us like a main lobster, two pound lobster dinner for about five bucks. Try that today, you know. And I remember <laughs> the red carpet and I remember the major D and I remember the rum buns, which was the only dessert on the menu. Right. Absolutely amazing. Looked like a skyrocketing cake when it came to you for dessert. But the bottom bottom line here is that how do you have a wedding? How do you have a prom? How do you have a bar mitzvah? How do you even have a family gathering if you start bulldozing family restaurants to the ground and replacing them with small businesses called fast food? You tell me where we're headed. Well, it doesn't look good for the small family business restaurant. It just doesn't look promising with all of those external pressures with uh, the advent of these horrible lockdown rules. For example, in California, Newsom locked out uh, in-room in dining and he made it takeout only. Uh, so you couldn't go, if you were driving in LA, if you had to take a business trip and you needed a bite to eat in Los Angeles, you were forced, basically forced to go to a Taco Bell drive-through or a McDonald's or an In-N-Out. I remember going up to a, 
fast food chain restaurant coming back from a business, a necessary business trip in LA. I don't wait an hour to get a burger because of that. So uh, it, it's just crushing small enterprise. How can you not have a successful family business restaurant? Well, let me ask you guys a question. Is there an economic advantage here that we're not seeing? And the fact if I bulldoze a family's small business to the ground, usually these small businesses got 30, 40 years history, right, Craig? They're an optimum real estate location. Everybody knows them in the community, right? So is it advantageous for me to bulldoze that building to the ground and put up a Burger King or a Taco Bell or a Del Taco? And now all of a sudden I'm moving right into a customer base ready-made, aren't I? That's right. That's a that's an interesting theory, um, and I uh, I saw it I saw it happen firsthand. So uh, I'll put it this way: a small family Chinese restaurant that was one of my tenants lost their business due to COVID, and a uh, hip chain restaurant came in. So what does that tell you? They took advantage of the lease and were able to weave their way in, and voila! So uh, your theory might have water. I'm going to interject a little bit. So, Craig, what I don't understand, and you can explain this to the American people, is you have Governor Newsom with these lockdowns hurting small businesses. You have Governor Cuomo doing the exact same thing. You have all these Democratic governors that are destroying small business, destroying the American people's lives. And what it's doing is it's causing the American people to move to southern states or moving to states where the economy is open there, such as South Dakota, which never closed down. They're moving down to Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis, who's doing a phenomenal job. They're moving from California down to Texas with Governor Abbott. He actually got rid of the mask mandate. So how can these Democratic governors like Cuomo and, and, and Whitmer and um, Newsom look at themselves in the mirror doesn't it, wouldn't they say to themselves, I'm losing my, my population, I'm losing people to other states that are doing much better. How can they look themselves in the mirror every night? Well, it's funny you say that, and your point is well taken. Margaret Thatcher, who's prime minister when I worked for President Reagan, once said to him, uh, socialism is a lovely thing until you run out of other people's money. Uh, and that's what's happening now. They're, they think it's all fine and fair because they may have a nice tax base. In Cuomo's case, it's Wall Street, and in uh, Newsom's case in Silicon Valley. But when those guys start to flee, like Elon Musk went to Texas, um, before you know it, it starts ratcheting down to the little guy, like me and, and Frank. And, and when we decide to pick up stakes, then you just have a rump state of people who are not, you know, who are wage slaves. And you don't want that. No one wants that. But evidently, these governors don't get the message because they don't either care or they've never been in business or they just don't have any sympathy. You just can't crush people like that. Um, but they are, and now they're gonna be paying a price. I don't think Governor Whitmer is gonna be reelected. I think her political career is pretty dim. I think Cuomo's is already dimmed out for other reasons. And Newsom is right on the bubble right now. That's why if you notice he's loosening things up, I think it's motivated by fear than by uh, any sort of uh, desire to help. So, well, based on the projection of, of your data tracks that you do, do you think that the American people in these states are going to vote Republicans as governors, such as in Michigan and New York and California, in your opinion, based on your data? I, th- I think Michigan's got a very, I think Michigan is a very strong candidate to turn totally Republican. I mean, very strong. New York, heavier lift, but doable. I mean, Lee Zeldin's a great guy. They've had a They've had a precedent there in George Pataki as governor. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all uh, if, a Repu- if a good Republican comes up through the ranks like Lee and, and runs uh, with a credible message. He could easily be elected. California, you know what? It's going to be a great experiment. But 
look, you live in blue Maryland, you have a red governor and you have Larry Ogan. I mean, he's not exactly Mr. Conservative, but he's also not as left as Cuomo or as, as Newsom. So um, that, that tells you something. Um, I was going to say, unfortunately, um, Governor Hogan has opened up the door to put a Democrat as governor, unfortunately. Well, uh, they're looking at Peter Francho right now as taking over. Well, unfortunately, Maryland is deep, deep blue anyway, and, and you do have anomalies. But then again, uh, you have surprises. And I, I'm hoping that certain Congress uh, congressmen and women in Maryland start to wake up too. You might see a resurgence of Republican talents coming up back through the Eastern Shore area in Maryland, people who, who understand family farms and oyster farms and, and other uh, small enterprise that I've seen on the Eastern Shore. So don't be shocked if you see a Republican come back to the ranks again there. And also in Virginia, you know, they want to get rid of Ralph Northam. You know, he's terrible up there. You know, he wants to get rid of the Second Amendment. He's terrible up there. Uh, for good cause. Uh, he's... Virginia is one of these purple states that's going to actually turn uh, more, um, uh, you know, more more red over time. I think. I think you'll start seeing Latinos migrate toward the Republican Party in greater numbers. I think uh, you'll see African Americans migrate, especially male African Americans migrate our way. Um, so we are the now. The inversion is taking it is taking place. We are the working class party. The Republicans are the working class party. The Democrats are the party of, of big tech and big box capitalism. And that's not good for small business. Uh, you know, someday they may even go into the insurance business. What's that going to do for your dad and for you? I mean, think about that. If you start seeing a kiosk at Costco for insurance businesses, I think that would give you some pause. Um, I don't know about you know anything else, but there are certain businesses that can take over, but Certainly, uh, financial services, I guarantee you, is on their list. Uh, so, Without a doubt. Was, Craig, I hate to cut you short, man. We're moving towards the end of the show. I can't thank you so I'm Thank really you so much. Just, just myself, you know, having you on the show today, I really would like to stay in touch with you because I've got some things going that I think might be of interest to you. Natasha, thanks so much for your time and joining us today. You've been an incredible co-host. And we're just going to keep pushing this incredible small business, politically centered type of message out there because small business needs it yesterday. Hey, thank you for turning into Business Buzz today. If you'd like to be a guest or you have a business that needs to elevate your brand and expand your reach, you can reach us at 877-NOW-BUZ or email us at info at businessbuzz.com. To learn more about the show, visit our website at businessbuzz.com. Hey, you want to be tuning in next week because I've got Ernest Garfield of Phoenix, Arizona, joining us. He used to be a state senator in the state of Arizona, and he is a banker that has bought and sold so many banks. I can't even, you know, I lost track how many banks he's bought and sold. And right now he's got a passion to help small business in the arena of finance. And Craig said it best at the beginning of the show, hey, finance is a big deal to small business. The buzz factor of your business is what we seek to increase week in, week out. Tune in next week as we bring more guests and resources to make your business Buzz. Thanks for tuning in Business Watch and Business Buzz with Frank Hellring. We'll be back next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to have you join us again next time for some more terrific ways to revitalize your small business.